place it comfortably. Evening everyone online and uh, in the room. Uh, as I've been mentioning recently, you know, with our um, groups going through looking at the precepts, um, I've started to, uh, in the beginning stages of, of wanting to write a book on it, on the precepts. And, um, and the process is very interesting for me personally because um, it's, it's making me um, re-examine them again, um, not just in terms of uh, how, how best to write it, you know, so it's um, useful, you know, for people to read, um, but really just e examining my own process um, of living day to day and how thoughts and feelings and so on you know, impact on my my speech or my my actions in the world. And um, I'd like to begin with a, a quote from Diane Diane's book that we're using, Waking Up to What You Do, uh, which is a quote from the Buddha, um, which is a a really you know a really um, appropriate um, quote to open a book on the Buddhist precepts with. Um, the Buddha said in the Dharmapada, the thought manifests as the word, the word manifests as the deed, the deed develops into habit and the habit into character. So watch the thought and its ways with care and let it spring from love born out of concern for all beings as the shadow follows the body as we think so we become mm -hmm. great 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 words and so much wisdom in it so what i've been reflecting on is as you know the, the zen precepts uh, are, are prescriptive in the saying that you should take this position on termination or euthanasia or you must be a vegetarian or whatever it may guide us towards you know how we deal with those difficult issues in life so it's not so much prescriptive um, but what it is doing is helping us to um, awaken our the voice of conscience you know and to um, and to be clearer about how our thoughts and emotions and our attitudes actually impact on the way we speak and behave in the world, which will either generate something positive or it may create harm. And so the, the, real, the real work of working with the precepts is um, the, the inner work of mindfulness, of being aware of, like really, really sharply aware um, in meditation and also in everyday life of what is it that I'm thinking? You know, what is it that, that what emotion am I experiencing? What, what words are going through my head which create a certain story and then I, I, then I act them out in the world in some way. So it's examining that the thinking, feeling, body sensation, inner experience is very central to, to cultivating the precepts in your life. And if you think of the, the words in um, the first sutra we do in our, in our sutra service, purification, 
all the harm and suffering ever created by me since of old on account of my beginningless greed, hatred and ignorance. Born of my action, speech and thought, I now acknowledge openly and fully. So the, the process of mindfulness is to be, be aware as thoughts and feelings arise. Are they greedy thoughts? Are they hateful thoughts? Are they dull tuning out kind of experiences? Or to, to use other language rather than the, the formal Buddhist language, uh, you know, are they grasping thoughts? Are they thoughts of aversion? You know, or are they just ignorant thoughts of just blah, kind of just switched off in some kind of way? So when we're practicing mindfulness, you know, and we're practicing the precepts together, we're, we're discerning we're discerning whether there's a grasping element going on or an aversion element on or we're just tuning out or conversely if we're very aware of what we're thinking we're very aware of what we're feeling we're very aware of our body sensation and we can discern between what is wholesome and what is not uh -huh. so all of this is very much a part of the process and it involves well, to come back to thinking, we can, we can look at thinking from the point of view of emptiness or the absolute, that all thinking is just, a, you know, construction in the mind, right? Just a conceptual construction that do actually doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. Uh -huh. But from a, a more relative point of view, we do think thoughts. We think them constantly. You know, so are the thoughts we're thinking and the stories we generate, are they, are they wholesome or are they not? You know, so it's part of that discernment, it's part of the, very much part of the process. Um, anger, for instance, is behind a lot of um, harmful actions in the world. So the mindfulness process can be um, that I'm thinking resentful thoughts about someone or something, right? And I'm going around in a story and generating it. And as I do, I generate a lot of anger inside myself and I carry that round through the day, ruminating on it. And then, and then something untowards happens in my life and I say something really angry or do something really angry. But it just didn't happen. It's been generated out of that, that story Right, that's been going around in my head all day and, and the emotions that it's actually aroused. So the more we practice mindfulness, the more we become much clear, we become much clearer about the stories that we're running through our mind and that we invest in. And we become much more aware of the feeling states that are generated around that and, and we're connected into the body. And, and now the, the neuroscience demonstrates to us, you know, that people who've got a um, much more um, well-functioning right hemisphere, the right hemisphere is really connected into your body and into your feelings and, and, and being aware of what you're thinking. And so people who've cultivated that have much, much clearer idea of self-responsibility. I've been thinking resentful thoughts, feeling resentful feelings, and then I say something nasty to someone, 
and you've got and you're tuned in neurologically, well, you're more likely to go, oh yeah, I, I created that. That that came from me. I, I'm I'm responsible for that. What can I do about it? Whereas if you're not tuned in, um, more likely just to blame circumstances or blame someone else and have no idea where it came from. Mm-hmm. So all of this inner work is really the the inner work of being mindfulness of thoughts and feelings and body sensation is very, very central um, to the, the practice of the precepts and how it's actually um, what, what, what is behind generating our, our speech and thought. That's why, um, as I said last week, you know, Zen practice is, uh, is um, metaphorically thought of as a, a three-legged stool, you know, where um, there's three elements that make it up. There's inside, um, inside into no self. There's the serenity cultivated through meditation, and there's the precepts. And um, any 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 true Zen practice has three, those three components. The stool won't stay upright if one of the legs are missing, right, or if one is shorter than the other. So they all there's a synergy between those three things that work. You have that that insight into no self. You have mindfulness of thoughts and feelings and sensations, and then sense of ownership or responsibility for what comes out that's harmful, and what comes out that's loving and kind. Um, so it is very much um, a, a, an inner work that creates that um, heightened sense of moral intelligence. Um, and again, we don't prescribe in Zen how people will use that. That depends on your personal perspective and your context and situation in life, how you make moral decisions in life and how you act. And, um, uh, and, and as I've spoken of before, some of the things we have to deal with in life are, are not straightforward right or wrong decisions, they, they're complex and they create moral dilemmas. Um, in reading about this um, too recently, um, I was reading the work of Martin Luther, um, who um, began the, the Reformation era, Protestantism. And there's a term that he used, which I think is a very interesting term when it comes to moral moral intelligence and the precepts. He spoke about the anguish conscience. You know, so the the conscience that, that's so awake that it that it may that it that it will experience anguish over conflicted things we may may do in our life. You know, where things are difficult to decide on. And I, and I think Sometimes that idea of anguish conscience, I've never heard it spoken of in Buddhism, but it's worthwhile remembering that we're, we're human and we, we don't just necessarily have this perfectly clear, calm mind all the time, um, that we may experience anguish conscience. And I think it's okay. There's a sense of it's okay to have an anguish conscience over things and to experience it. In other words, it's okay to feel not okay. And when I've been reflecting on, on the precepts myself, I, even before I came across those words, 
I was looking at the the issue of vegetarianism, and I'm not a vegetarian. I, I eat meat. Years ago, many years ago, I, I was a vegetarian for a long time, um, not for health reasons so much, but because of the the ethics of not killing animals. So I do eat meat now. And but when I when I do, and I reflected on this precept, um, I don't feel entirely comfortable with the fact that I eat meat, and I and I have an anguished conscience about it. Uh -huh. And um, not that it makes any difference to the cows who might you know <laughs> die, so I can I can eat, but. Um, but there was a sense of settling there when I could actually name it to myself um, that there's an anguished conscience around that mm -hmm. and to be aware of that. So things aren't necessarily simple and clear all the time. There's a kind of a, 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 a murky area there in human, being a human being that we need to tune into as well.